you very welcome to Wade In, and we're going to look back on the weekend that was one step closer to the festival itself. Of course, Trials Weekend just took place. We're all getting very excited. This week, we're going to preview the Triumph, the Alba Bartlett, and the Gold Cup in our footsteps to the festival section. All your listener questions answered as well in the company of Kevin Blake. Kevin, Kev. Hello, Hugo. I'm in good form. How about yourself? I tell you what, that hairdo was coming on nicely now. I, you know, we gave you a bit of stick at the start when it was kind of, it wasn't one thing or the other. I think you're looking pretty handsome these days with that little flow you have going there, I have to say. Um, well, yeah, I did get a haircut last week, but I've had a hat on all morning, Hugh, and I haven't had time to uh, make due adjustments. So what you're seeing yeah. here is uh, wild and wonderful, yeah. Wild and wonderful, yeah. Well, that's what people tune in for, Kev. And Mr. Tony <laughs> Calvin, you're in good form today, I take it? Yeah, no hair update here. I did. Um, did you see Lee Morrishead on Luck on Sunday a fortnight ago? Jesus yeah. Christ, he's got he's he's puts Kevin in the shade when it comes to growing a barnet that yeah. was never yeah, there see, in the first place. Yeah, see, he's 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 experiment. He was experimenting with the slick back look that I briefly yeah. flirted with as well. Yeah, yeah. there he yeah. was. Yeah. And, and also another one uh, on your other podcast, Vanessa Tony Keenan's miraculously got some hair from summer as well. What's really? going on? What's yeah, you're not, just feeling Tony, you're, you're not you're not eating your vitamins. I tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna start going racing in the press ring. They must be giving out free fucking runs. <laughs> 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 oh, good stuff, Vanessa. You're well. Good weekends. Yeah, all good. I was up at a blustery Doncaster on Saturday when my hat got worse. Oh, your hat. <laughs> Somewhat disappointing. Did you, ever, did you ever find a hat? I did. Yeah, I did. It was disappointing. Yeah, but th- look, no one ever comments on my hair, and I had it cut. And everything. Oh, wow. Yeah, you haven't even I, noticed that. You're so. Well, I'm fed up with paying you compliments, and Vanessa, because it just goes over your head. And you just don't pay any attention to what I say. You just get so many of them. No, you. That's the problem. You know? I've given up. I've given up. <laughs> right, look, we've had lots to talk about from the weekend as well. It was an interesting weekend. Some people kind of uh, given out about the quality overall of Trials Day, but I think we got enough stories to make it interesting. And as I mentioned, we're going to come on to the three races for the festival a little bit later on. But initially, we've got to start off, Kevin Blake, with Paisley Park. Uh, Daniel Barber is sitting very comfortably and happy on his 33 to 1 anti post stairs hurdle bed for Paisley Park. And he is still, <coughs> excuse me, bang there uh, at the top of the division on the basis of what he saw at the weekend. Yeah, look at you know, this division has kind of gone from being a. Uh, absolutely horrendous to looking interesting for a while and now just it's admit it Kevin <laughs> it's the best division of the festival okay it's the best yeah, division I, I think it's swung back a bit again now um, after classical dream bombing out and champ getting beat here but uh, sure look it was a remarkable race really like in terms of drama and everything else Paisley Park he's, he's clearly getting a little bit um, putting a bit more thought into, into the game than he used to um, because it, it did look like game over in fairness quite early on after he whipped around at the start but um, a fair play to Aidan Coleman. He persevered and the horse came alive. Um, and look, I think that's, I'm not saying that's the way to ride him, but I think certainly a, a more patient ride um, probably suits him better than we, we saw the, the more forceful tactics experimented with earlier in the season. So yeah. I think they know exactly what to do with him. Look, he's always loved Cheltenham. And, um, and this was a performance that shows that the light still burns pretty brightly with him. And given the horrendous state of the staying hurdle division, Vanessa, he must have a big chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, Tony, just on Aidan Coleman as well, I listened to his interview afterwards and he said, he said, OK, I can get seven or eight grand for picking up third. So that's the target here. Anything after that is a bonus. And he rode him accordingly. And that turned out to be the best way to get him to win the race. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's quite a sad indictment, isn't it? A horse that, horse that gives her about 20 lengths at the start, only trades at 48 in running in a race that's got a twos on shot in it. It's, it's like, it was a good performance. And you look back at, Paisley Park's Cheltenham for me. You know, Dan's sitting in on a very, very good recommendation there at 33s each way. 
look at the shape of this market. You've got the first four in the market have all been beaten last time. And, you know, to, and to varying degrees as well. Classical dream being uh, a pretty, you know, laborious effort in the, uh, in the Galmore hurdle. But yeah, it's the race is up there for grabs, isn't it? And, you know, you, people will be looking at that market. Uh, you know, if, if you've got an steering for Lange, if you've got a melon, it's going to be the same old chat that we've had for the last two or three years. People are going to be looking at that race thinking it's very, very winnable. And, um, and it is. I mean, Flooring Port is probably the, you know, last year's winner is probably the most solid one in there. About, about, yeah. But, but yeah. then again, he's fours nine to two. And is that well, really bet inducing? Uh, I think Flooring Port is the one to beat at the top of the market now. But they've all been, like I said, they've all been stuffed on their most recent start. Yeah, I listened to Nicky after Champ and um, was beaten, uh, obviously, Vanessa. And, you know, he was quite uh, matter of fact about it. She wasn't too downbeat. I wouldn't be either as well. I mean, these trials days, is a long time to the festival. I'd be, if you're a fan of Champ, I certainly wouldn't be put off by what happened at the weekend, would you? Although I'm a big Champ fan and I wasn't put off, but I was left disappointed for sure. I mean, I don't think he ran a bad race. He was obviously on that far side of the track and he got done by a quirky individual who really can relish the hill at Cheltenham and just occasionally puts in one of those special, well, not occasionally, in his former years, he put in those special occasions regularly. Uh, but obviously it's been occasionally more recently and he was bang back to, I don't know if it's anywhere near, if it's actually his best, but he was bang back to something like what we've seen of him do on special occasions in the past. But I wouldn't be that disappointed than champ but I guess he just didn't you know that special Paisley Park out and out stared pricking his ears up the hill picking the last and in the way in which he did it I mean I know what the boys are saying it's ultimately pretty disappointing if a horse can win a race like that having given away so many lengths at the start but he this horse is always like uh, Aidan Coleman said post-race he's had a 10 he's thought about racing a touch in the past and we've been down to visit him to film features in the past at the mm -hmm. yard and he's definitely never been never been the most straightforward of customers yeah. ever at home either you know they have to watch him all the time barry rides him they canter him around he's really sharp at home so he's always been a thinker but that really added a bit of drama to a race where yeah i came away a touch disappointed in the champ camp but ultimately like this day is hurdle division come that thursday of march it's just <laughs> going to be sort of like lunatics day out out, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, it's just terrific. I can't one wait. For, the one flew the over the cuckoo's nest We're going to love it because we can yeah. all have a different opinion on which lunatic we like the best and we'll really yeah. enjoy it. And I can okay, see you Kev, in your, in your, uh, in your Sorry, person. Hugh, do you want a Kev's fun fact of the day? Yeah, go on. Paisley Park, the old boy that bring around the block 10 times, is younger than Champ. Is he younger? Literally, wow. a couple, of, couple of months in it, yeah. You'd never yeah, think it, would you? You'd never think it, He's ten, ten years of age, champ. The, yeah. the, the yeah. only thing about Paisley Park is obviously we've got the in-running market, and I know it's pretty much factored in, and everyone knows his run style. But his, his normal run style is it dictates that he's going to be he's going to be bigger after a, a mile than he is in the in the win market on the exchange now. So there's yeah. and obviously you've got the fact is if you do back him in running, he's actually jumped off. So yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's got that's got to be a factor. So I think if you are going to back Paisley Park now, wait to the day. Wait till he jumps off. Mm. And, you know, if you are taking, if you are tempted to take seven, eight to one now, you, you, I think you're definitely going to get that after a mile. The one flew over the cuckoo's nest, stairs hurdle with Vanessa starring as Nurse Ratchet. I can see it absolutely <laughs> clear as day. Um, John Book, uh, just one of the questions on this, John Book has, has said, as exciting as the start finish to the Cleve was, and um, the fact is, the first two home are 10 year olds. National home, particularly hurting, has a problem. Where is all the talent gone? And yeah, it's something we've spoken about, John, in terms of it's gone chasing. It's, it's gone, gone chasing. chasing. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the answer.
Yeah. And Paul Evans says, in light of the tragic shots of Midnight Shadow yesterday, removal of water jumps from tracks, can't recall seeing one on an Irish course. No reason for having them here. Um, obviously. No, no, there are no water jumps in Ireland. Um, I, yes. I've never... Un- I, the reason they're, like, they ever came about was to put them in front of the stands and make like a bit of a spectacle for the crowd. Um, like as long as I've been in racing, people have been questioning, you know, why they exist, and you know they're not particularly fair on the horses, and why don't they just get rid of them? And I, I certainly wouldn't miss them. Would anyone miss them? Let us know if you'd miss them. I suspect we won't be hearing from loads of people. No. Okay, we'll move on to the Gold Cup um, after the weekend because Shandry House is fourteen to one. Now, if if you're considering backing him for the Gold Cup, I wouldn't go near him in a million years. Um, but TC, you know, your thoughts on the race. Um, he obviously yeah. was clearly a lot better than he was in the King George when he just fluffed his lines. I still just can't, I can't have him anywhere near the Gold Cup picture. For uh, me. Uh, at no point did I think he was going to win up until about going to the, going to the last because obviously he jumped appallingly. He was never really traveling. And, you know, I, I thought I, Wright and Santini were, were going to fight out the finish at one point. And, um, yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd have to be pretty underwhelmed by that performance. I'm, I'm surprised that the layers on the exchange aren't out to get him. He's, there's a bit of money queuing up to back him, just, just over 20 to 1. But even, even in a gold cup that's as winnable as this year, I, I can't really see it. I mean, obviously, Nico jumped straight off him. Uh, some people reported on Twitter that he was, you know, legless. Um, he, mm. was, he was exhausted for at least 30 minutes after the race. And it's even, even, even this far out. I mean, there's nothing in that performance, even in a year, you know, like I said, is as open as this that would would lead me to to, to back him at twenty to one at this point. No, well, 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 you like your pace maps. Just before you come in there, Kev, you like your pace maps. Wayne wants to know how is the Gold Cup going to run? No fraud on the Native River. Who's going to make the pace? Does it turn into a less of a test of stamina and more of a sprint per album photos for a Gold Cup one? It's it's an interesting. I, I, I look I looked at this earlier. Um, uh, and, and that's a really uh, like literally before we just come on air, and I thought that's a brilliant question. Yeah, uh, there's nothing in there that I can see. Conflated is in there, and that's the only one that goes forward. Oof. But is he going to be quick enough? And he's quite recalcitrant on, on occasions. I thought it was just a brilliant question, and I think it is, the, it's interesting. I, I, I think the, the only one that I can see making the running, and we'll come back to him later, so stifle that laugh, is probably Santini. Well, you see, this is the thing. This is the thing, TC. Everyone is saying, oh, Chantry House, you know, he was so so laborious. He was completely unimpressive. How could we possibly fancy for a Gold Cup? Let's put it to context what he's done. No wonder he was exhausted for half an hour after the race, TC. He'd just taken on and managed to beat the great Santini. Only two years ago, he nearly won the Gold Cup, lads. He's an absolute rocket ship. Polly Gundry's got him firing all cylinders. His fitness is being brought along steadily. That's me, bro. The peak on the Friday in March. He's going to win the Gold Cup. He's 66 to 1. She was Get on now. He was having a pop at you after the race. Hey? There's some people on social media have been been taking the piss out of my horse. I'm not happy about it, but he stuck it, yeah. he stuck it up to him there. We'll come back to this in our Gold Cup discussion in a few minutes' time, and you can save your absolute bullshit for them. Now. <laughs> um, right, <laughs> we move on, um, if we can, to uh, the Triumph, because people are getting very carried away with Pied Piper on the basis of what he did. I, I, Vanessa, I, I always find these ones difficult to measure. And, and, you know, some people say, oh, my God, that was an incredible performance. Look what he did. He didn't even touch him off the bridle. You know, he, he's all of a sudden now he's better than Phil Dore on the basis of what he did. It's very hard to know what he did because Davey didn't touch him. The horses in behind were all absolutely trying for their lives and couldn't get near him. So it's very hard to put it into context, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think it was in the paper today that the reaction to Pied Piper was the big over-exaggerate, like overreaction of <clears throat> the weekend. But to be honest with you, like, it was a triumph hurdle trial over the course and distance, and he absolutely hacked up sort of Arcona style. So, what more do you want from him? Like, I, I, I would react the same if I was a fan. Like, if you were backing him for the triumph hurdle, he'd be absolutely delighted at this stage. He, not only did he, it's not just that he came there cantering and did what he did, but it's the fact that he actually was putting lengths and lengths and lengths on the winning distance from the back mm. of the last up the hill to the last. He upped up the hill to the line. He wasn't just sat there cantering along. He was actually widening the distance, which I was impressed by. Uh, you know, you couldn't help but be impressed. And I don't think it really was an overreaction because, like I say, course and distance performance like that. I mean, clearly, I was interested that after the race, it clearly had surprised Gordon Elliott somewhat what he'd done on the day mm. um, a little bit. I think he was a little bit, I'm not sure they were quite expecting that sort of performance from him. But I don't think the reaction was an overreaction. It was it was bloody impressive by anyone's yeah, standards. I agree. And look, without being specific on this race as well, just Kev, you know, we're going to come back to this, obviously, when we're talking about the Albert Barton, or the Triumph, I should say. But, you know, just generally, why do people go, yeah, that was great, but their first reaction is going, yeah, but, you know, like, is it, you know, rather than just saying, yeah, that was that was actually great and enjoy it for what it is. Gosh, look, we're cynical out of sport, aren't we? And, you know, it generally pays to be cynical if something looks too good to be true, it more more often than not is. Um, like, my, I had taken kind of a low view on, on the Irish juveniles so far. Um, like I wasn't thinking it was it was a super bunch, and then this lad goes over who kind of had to work hard to win a to win a maiden at Punchestown and goes over and takes on the English and you know could have beaten them by thirty lengths if he wanted yeah. to. Yeah. It was kind of amusing on that front, but he was deeply impressive. And look, it's not a, it's not a shock that he is a very good horse, I suppose, because you know he was rated ninety six over hurdles. That's uh, sorry on the flat. Um, that's a very high rating to go hurdling with nowadays. Mm -hmm. and wouldn't have been kind of five, six, ten years ago, but it is now. Um, he seems to have taken to it really well. His jumping is, is neat and quick. Um, and he, he, look, he absolutely danced in. And he has mm -hmm. to be considered, surely, a, a very, very strong contender. Um, and there has been thoughts that they might split Fildor and Pied Piper if you know things go to plan for Fildor at Leopardstown uh, this weekend. Um, with Pied Piper potentially being pointed at the Supreme, which is uh, a very interesting prospect. Uh, oh, that wow. There's no, there's, no depth, there's, no depth, there's no depth to that Supreme at all this year. So well, we're going to do as many good horses as possible. But I think the point to make there is the same owner has also got Mighty Potter for the That's Supreme. That's right. Yes. So, yes. Or the Valley uh, North, I think, so I think, he, could have a, he could have a right house switch around. You know, and, and as Barry made a point to us on Saturday, I mean, if the handicapper is... Is, is lenient, maybe, you know, the boodles could be an option as well. But mm. so I, I think that is the reason why the big buck comes in with Pied Piper. We'll discuss the triumph in more depth just very yeah. shortly. So just very quickly, the reason why there's a big buck there, because people are talking about the triumph, the supreme. And like you said, in the back of your mind, boodles, yeah. given that he didn't really beat a lot on Saturday. So could he be rated that highly for all mega impressive he was? That's the reason why the buck comes in. Where does he yeah. go? 100%. Okay, we'll come back to um, those races, as we mentioned, our footsteps of the festival, guys. But uh, what was the issue with the ground at Doncaster? I mean, obviously, um, you know, Vanessa, do you want to comment on this? Because I know TC was absolutely well, no, pulling whatever hairs on his head. Yeah. This, this is TC's rock the issue here? We have got a question. question here. The official, wait, Andrew Pady says, when official going descriptions given by race courses on the day are way off the mark, it was pretty clear yesterday that Doncaster's official going was not as described well, it's it, it all comes down but i made the point before racing on friday about the, the fact they have no rain there since january the 9th 
They've been watering on Monday, been watering on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. They were still at it on Thursday. Mm. On the on the official BHA site, they were giving no amounts of how much they've been watering, which pricks my ears up straight away. Um, on Friday, uh, you have Timeform calling it near soft after racing. Uh, Steve High, who uh, old Betfair um, colleague who, who who does this for a living, um, mm. he, he, I contacted him on Friday. He said basically the same soft. Um, the official going actually dried out to good on the Saturday from good, good to soft in places ridiculously. Um, and it's Steve was calling it soft on then. And you know, people in the media were just saying, Oh, you know, it'd be suited by this good ground. I saw that race on Friday, I saw the first few races, they were strung out like washing. I closed out my anti poster on Anna Bonita because I just think, you know, that is soft ground. And and look, it's it's all that if the BHA don't get a grip of this and just are. I've got no problem if they want to water, but tell me how much you've been watering and mm. each day. Mm. It's, you know, you sound a bit of a risk if you say, oh, punters being kept, you know, being held in contempt by not being the information, but they have been. <coughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I mean it, it was clear to everybody. And, and, and I contacted one of the owners after the race, after the Spurbet chase. I said, what, what, what was the feedback on the ground? He said, horrible ground. I mean, if it's good, they didn't water at Cheltenham and it was good ground and nobody was moaning. Just run, run Doncaster on the official good ground uh, and, and have done with it. You have anti-post punt has been shafted. It's Cat Course, one of the anti-post favourites leading up to the race, a short six to one on the Monday and Tuesday, got pulled out just before the race on account of the ground. So the anti-post punters of him have been shafted. It's, can't, it's, it's not on. Okay. In okay, terms of how it, how it panned out when I was up there, I wasn't there on the Friday, but obviously I was there the Saturday. Uh, bright sunshine, really windy, 35 miles an hour. Uh, when I went out onto the course in the morning, the official going was good to soft. I spoke to somebody, uh, the two guys walking the course, the clerk of the course and uh, another person I recognised, asked them what the crack was, the ground was. He said that it was very much the same as yesterday, despite the fact that obviously they have got drying conditions, but this was in the morning. And then by the time jump, by the time racing got going, it, the ground was changed to good. And okay. it was it was, the official going stick apparently was the same on Friday as it was on Saturday, which was 6.8. Okay. All right. Let's clear that up, guys. Um, I don't know. I know it's a sort of frustration for you, TC. I can understand why. Um, anybody, um, briefly, third time lucky, uh, jumped very well. Anyone any interest in the article? I think eight to yeah. one now in places. Yeah, you're a fan of this. I saw you put up a tweet at the weekend as well that uh, he's back in the article picture. You're impressed. Yeah, no, I was impressed. Again, there on Saturday, uh, he's obviously had that break since the defeat to Edward Stone, which mm-hmm. was a third run in quite quick succession. As it transpired after the race, having spoken to the owners and uh, the skeletons as well basically they weren't that the skeletons weren't that keen to run him at Sandown when they did uh, knowing that it was a third run in quite quick succession but the owner told me that it was his it was his desire to run it's a race he's always wanted to win and he thought the horse would be well suited to it um, he was wrong and at, at the end of the day they concluded that the sort of overly aggressive front running tactics and also the quick run in quite quick the third run in quite quick succession were part of the reason for his demise anyway on the day to Edward Stone this was very much pinpointed as a target race to get him back on track for the Arkle which is of course the race Shish, it's the same race same path Shishkin took last year um, I was really impressed with him in the paddock beforehand. He looked like to have really sort of conditioned and filled out in the break. Um, he just looked an absolute pitcher. And then the way he went and jumped, 
if you watch it back, I mean, he's just pinpoint accurate, which is not how he's been in the races that we saw him run at Cheltenham, where at times he's, you know, he's kind of flown at one and like misjudged it somewhat. Whereas at Doncaster, there was just none of that. Again, asked Harry after the race, I said, you know, his jumping was a bit of a revelation to me. He wasn't taking a chance at anything or misjudging anything. And Harry just said that that's just come with racing. He's not as gassy anymore. He's not as free. He's more tractable. There's mm. loads of boxes to be ticked, but yeah. definitely it's been reported in the press since that he did this overreach. I actually, yeah. I was with him in the winner's enclosure and I never saw the overreach. And it's something you often notice. I didn't see it myself, but they afterwards were just a bit minding that. Yeah. But it, so we'll see how that comes. But I think, I think the Arkle will set up nicely for him because he's going to get really strong pace again, which is what he needs. He had for pleasure leading him. We've showed, we've seen what he can do around Cheltenham. I think there's a lot to like about him, and I think his price might be too big. And of course, there's no Fernie Hollow now. It's all, it's all up in the air. It's all up in the air. Just quickly, the post-race quotes from uh, from the trainer suggest that you may want to hold fire there until the non one and no bet markets okay. come out. Because he okay. was talking about, if we miss Cheltenham, we have to go to Aitree, so be it. So okay. it, would give you, it would give you a slight doubt if you're, if you're taking all-in prices now. Kevin, a uh, word on Statler yesterday, Kevin. Paul Tannen got off the horse and said he's at a right, right stare. Um, I think he's he's now outright favoured for uh, the National Hunt Chase. I, I really like this horse, I have to say. And he had to fight yesterday, and he did fight. He did, it grounded out, but it was a good race too. Like, it's Ferro mm. Delaine, Vanillier, Left for Dead. Um, it's strong form and like he'd be well able to compete in an RSA I'd say um, but it seems like the National Hunt Chase might potentially suit him a bit better it'll certainly be more winnable and yeah, yeah he's fully entitled to be fab now because I, sometimes you know Chickenstown don't really go for the National Hunt Chase all that much you know people kind of forget that um, they've had a very limited number of runners in it in recent years I don't think they like it all that much so um, yeah. while like so run while Fred and a few of those are high up in the market I just wouldn't be certain that they'll even go for it um, and the likes of Statler who, who seems to be pointed that way um, yeah could well go off even shorter closer to time yeah, so three to one might be a bit of value um, at the moment. Then, um, allegory Devasi. I we mentioned Brandy Love on uh, Friday and racing only better. Tony Calvin, mm. um, she was um, a lot of people's idea of the winner of this race, but my god, she 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 nearly jumped into a county Wicklow, yeah. she was jumping so left, it was crazy <laughs> stuff. And allegory, but, yeah, I mean, up. god knows how much how many legs she gave up to the winner, and obviously, mm. she was coming back for more left handed track. You can see why she's second favorite there, and obviously. Yeah. You can't overplay it. I mean, the winner by winning that race has picked up a five-pound penalty for the for the mayor's novice hurdle at Cheltenham. So mm. not only Brandy Love is probably going to be going the right way for her, she's also going to be uh, also going to be facing a rival with a five-pound uh, penalty. So yeah, um, I haven't had a really good look at that mayor's novice hurdle, but they 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 think the world of the winner. But she has to carry an extra five pound now. She's got won that race. Yeah, she does. Um, so look, I think that's right anyway, isn't it? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, double check, just double checking here. Okay, can double check oh. it. It was a great, was it a great one on Saturday? Or? Great three. Great three. I'm not sure she does, but I'll, I'll double check. Hang on, hang on. We'll come back, to, we'll come back to that in just a second. Um, right, the Triumph Hurdle picture, guys. Footsteps of the Festival. Triumph, Albert Barker today and the Gold Cup. So the Triumph Hurdle, Mark, we, we spoke about Pied Piper and what he did, obviously, at the weekend. Looked very impressive. Uh, Phil Dore has long been held up as um, the market leader and justifiably so on the basis of a couple of runs this season as well. You've got Vauban in there at 9-2. Phil Dore 7-2. Pied Piper is now outright favourite at 5-2. Of those three, Vanessa, 
uh, at the top of the market at the moment, which makes most appeal to you? And again, given the fact that Gordon could well split them, that we could have one of them going, Pipe Piper going for the Supreme, maybe non one or no bet is the way to play this. But wh- where do you see your kind of angle into this race at the moment? Uh, I mean, I, I'm such a Fildor fan. I mean, the two horses at the top of the market, it's just interesting, in my opinion, that they come in with such differing profiles. You obviously got Pied Piper off the flat, and we've discussed him already, and then Fildor with this completely different profile, but yet for the same owners. Fildor's a proper national hunt bred from that Plutard family and by Dr. Dino, and I, I loved him at Leopardstown. Other than that one mistake he made, is it that might hurdle going away from the stands? Other than that, I just, I couldn't really pick fault in him, and I just thought when I saw the pictures of him afterwards and the footage of him afterwards, yeah, he just looks like really my stamp of a horse. And so I, I sort of don't want to abandon him at this point, but I was so taken with Pied Piper. Then you got Vorban in there. He's obviously got this, had this huge reputation and then bumped into Pied Piper. And then as, as far as you've got for the UK horses in this, Porticello looks potentially our best, well, at the moment is our best bet in the betting. Obviously a grade one winner at Chepstow. I think he's interesting in the sense that I think people could maybe... Uh, overlook that grade one win um it was on softish ground and obviously he's going to have different conditions come Cheltenham and then he lost his unbeaten record the time before but they were so clear that they rode him wrong at Doncaster and then they rode him right at Chepstow and bang in he went and I very much get the impression from them that he's still a real work in progress I thought he might be too big a price at about 16 to 1 at the moment um Mm. but that's just sort of I mean, he's he's a few a good few points bigger than Knight's Loot's got the best of him. And again, I think I think Knight's Loot's going to be outclassed. He's had this fantastic season, and people will say, well, he can only do what he's done, and that's right. But I think he's going to go into a whole different level of competition here. And for me, Porticello is the one who could step up from that Chepstow win, and I don't think he'll mind going back over good ground again, which is what he might get at the festival. Um, so at a bigger price, Porticello is the way I was kind of maybe going, mm-hmm. but. I adore Phil Dor. I adore him. And so yeah. I don't I kind of don't want to abandon him either, either. So somewhere in between, yeah, a bigger price also oh, an each way shout, but Phil Dor for the win. Yeah. If he and goes, Kevin's but then Tony's great. touched upon all the things about whether he goes or not. So it's That's the key, carnage. Yeah. Yeah. That's the key to this. And I'll get Tony's thoughts in a second. Kevin, is it your contention that the Irish juvenile form is, is much stronger than, than the British or or is it that too simplistic to say at the moment? I didn't think the Irish was particularly strong now prior to Hyde Piper. Um, like I've liked Phil though, it's hard not to like him. He, he, the way he goes about it and everything else is you'd like it. And I think he certainly was the pick of them before Pied Piper. Um, but yeah, we're just all this uncertainty as to whether Pied Piper would go or not. It does muddy the waters. Um, and look, I think we'll learn a lot more um, come the weekend in the spring juvenile. Because um, if Phil Dore goes and does what you, you hope he might do there, um, for all that, it's, it's far, going to be far too straightforward because uh, Vauban, the horse that um, that gave Pied Piper such a race of it at Punchestown, is likely to be um, potentially fav over Phil Dore. Um, come the weekend, so look, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. I'd love to see Pied Piper go for it. I was very impressed with him. Uh, and just to briefly go back to the the mayor's novice hurdle there, um, yeah. TC, TC is right. Um, Allegory Devassi will have a five pound penalty. You pick up a penalty for basically winning any um, weight for age class one race. So like a listed race, grade three, grade two, grade one, five pound penalty across the board, which is um, mm. uh, it's an it's an interesting penalty structure. But yeah, should be five pound worse off for Brandy Love. It's not to be yeah. able to play that. 
No, mm. it's not. GC, how do you, when you're trying to eke out advantage here and, and, and it's something like this market is trying for obviously knowing where the which horse is going to go for it is, is the main way, but you just we just don't know. So it's very difficult, isn't it? No, um, Pie Piper is obviously the, probably the most visually impressive. Phil Dawes been probably doing a, a, a more substantial form performances, but hasn't been as excited as Time Bandits. I think um, they love the horse that Pied Piper beat, who's going to go for the grade one at, at Dublin uh, at the weekend. Um, other than that, I mean, you're struggling. I mean, the English, the English obviously had their great White Hope Isio stuffed at the weekend, but then again, was that his true form with the Nichols runners running like drains uh, there? Mm-hmm. I, I, I look back to last year's race and the triumph often throws up a couple of late contenders. And uh, do you remember last year, obviously, Horton Kalor wasn't even talked about. And it actually went straight to the triumph and finished third on the back of one run in France in October. Mm-hmm. And often the case uh, over here is that Kempton meeting before uh, the, the Adonis meeting. Zarkanda won there in 2011. I was going through the unraced horses in the triumph and Nichols has got a, a 95 rated horse from the flat from Roger Charlton called Pleasant Man, who, 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 who I gather is going to go uh, down the Zarkanda route and go through the Adonis. So I think there's some hands to be played here. Mullins has got uh, a horse from France as well. Uh, Ilatak Tomps um, that presumably, you know, could, could come out there and go there as well. So, the three at the market, I, I think, are, from Ireland are very good horses. I think the English horses we've seen so far are pretty pretty rank uh, in, in Triumph Hurdle winning terms. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a few late hands to be played here. And the fact that Mullins and Nichols have got unraced horses in there, and given what Mullins did last year, um, I think the market could well could well um, juice up a bit uh, from its current state. So I wouldn't yeah. be going in too big on the ones right. at the top of the market for all the right ones. You know, Hugh, I made, I made a suggestion in an article last year that would make all this debate irrelevant, that would make it so much more interesting. I suggested that we get rid of the triumph hurdle and make the Boodles juvenile and not to 145 and anything, any four-year-old rated over 145 would be obliged to, to run in the Supreme or the Ballymore. Yeah, great. That'd be great. But that won't happen, Kev, because that'd, that'd force too many horses to clash and we, we want to keep horses apart, don't we? That's what the is all about. <sighs> Yeah. Make as many as no, possible. No, no place for innovation <laughs> in this game, Euro. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Um, the Albert Barton picture, then, guys. Um, um, Kevin, Eric Goodak. So, 92 Jinto at the moment for um, Gornelli's Hollow Games is 6 to 1. Um, they obviously met last time out, and Jinto came out on top. Journey with me is in there. Um, 12 to 1, Eric Goodak. Is Eric Goodak definitely going to go for this, Kevin? Is that your feeling about and what Joseph's plans for him is? And I, 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 I wouldn't be losing faith in him at all after what he did at uh, Limerick the last day. And what's your view on him? Yeah, look, I think we'll get some answers as to where he fits in this weekend, hopefully. Um, yeah. If he takes his chance at Leopardstown, which you hope he would, I suppose, like, like loads of horses, um, you know, a bit of rain will be no harm. Um, but he, he's entered up and he'll hopefully take his chance there. And, and I think he'll have a decent chance. You know, he'll have Jinto to contend with, who, who made Eric Gludax look pretty ordinary um, at Navin earlier in the season. I'm a big fan yeah. of Jinto. Um, if he went for this race, he, he'd win it, I suspect. Um, but he has the option at the Ballymore, and we, we won't have a clue. But maybe we might get some more clarity after this weekend, maybe. Um, but this this two mile six um, grade one at Leopardstown over the weekend, um, hopefully we'll get all the big guns turning up because if we do, it, it'll promise to be really, really informative. Um, like I'm just looking at the, the anti-post market for it now. 
excuse me, okay. Hollow Games, Journey with Me, Jinto, Grand Jury, Art Blood Axe, um, Nella Crooner, you know, what do we what do we want? It's um it could be a, potentially be a proper race now. And uh, if something could stamp their authority on anything like that final lineup, um, yeah, we're gonna have a proper contender there. Yeah, Tony, your your thoughts on the Albert Barthers? And um, obviously Gordon looks to have the strongest hand at the moment, but uh, that could change. Yeah, um Earlier today, I was looking at uh, some of the videos from yesterday, and I was really taken by the nice guy, uh, the one for Willie Mullins yesterday. Um, inexperienced, two from two over bumpers. And they, it was well back when winning over two mile three on his hurling debut yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and I was really taken by the way he finished off his race. And I think the second's quite well regarded, and um, the third ran a decent race for making the mistake at the last. So I thought that the nice guy was the interesting one here at, at 16 to one. Now, Willie Mullins was quite effusive for him after the race, and he actually name-checked the Albert Bartlett. Um, so I'm, I've, I've actually backed him at 16s for the Albert Bartlett. Um, I've asked, I asked the sports, because I'm a bit worried about the going down the Ballymore route, uh, even though I think that's very unlikely. He's 50 on the exchange for that, and I think that's a fair indication. But um, I, given that how, how hot that Ballymore could be, I think they'll go down the Albert Bartlett route. And, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of upside to this uh, uh, this horse's effort and it's got a really good like pedigree I think he's uh, if you're going up to three miles I think the dam's related to Mazzini Maguire who won a Ballymore but who was best over three miles so I think the step up in trip will really suit and uh, you know if you do 16s if you do worry about uh, maybe going down the Ballymore route like you know like the, the dam's hard sifter one um, the sportsbook are offering you 11 to 1 to win the Ballymore or the Albert Bartlett but uh, so yeah but given, given yeah given that Given that performance, I know it's it's more substance than than anything else. But I was taken by that over two mile three. I think going up in trip will really suit on pedigree. And like I say, I I, I took a very pro, a, a very positive uh, view of the form. So yeah, yeah the, I, the I, nice guy at sixteens uh, would would well, it has appealed to me. That's a way it in special. You'll find it in the specials in the sportsbook. By the way, eleven to one to win the Ballymore or Delbert Bartlett. I uh, Kevin listening to Willie Mullins after I thought it was a brilliant performance as well. The nice guy. And, and, and 16 to 1 for the Albert Bartlett, if that's where he goes, would be, uh, I think, a really good position close to the time. Interesting, Willie says he does absolutely nothing at home. This mm. horse keeps surprising him. Uh, and and it's a few times that has happened where, you know, obviously Willie's come to the track and gone, God, we, we really didn't see this level of performance and yeah. the horse has gone and done. Sorry, just, I find before, very interesting. just before yeah. Kev comes in, um, I, I, I didn't hear the interview, but I'm told that he, he might have named checked the fact that it's likely race, it's not ideal. But that always used to be the case. You need to be a real hardy horse to win the Albert Bartlett but in recent years I think Mileta Indo won that race after just two hurdle starts and, yeah. the last, and the last last two other winners have only come there the likes of Monkfish and Vanillier only came there after three hurdle starts and four hurdle starts so what traditionally you wanted a, a horse with 10 runs under its belt back a hard grinder it's not you know, we're going the other way now in that race so that seems like it's got class here, like the yeah. results as well. The type of pools coming out of that going forward, it doesn't seem to be the real like slugfest that it used to be labeled as. Yeah. Until the ground goes heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he pulls out and I've done me money and waits for a punch down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about what about the nice guy, Kev? Yeah, I was quite impressed with them as well. And I, you, you like those sleeper types, you know, the ones that don't necessarily show up loads at home. And, and we've had some late additions for Willie, you know, relatively late additions into this in the past. Um, and I wouldn't be against them. Willie lacks a standout contender for the race. I'd say that's why the race kind of came into his mind. You know, it was over two mile three after all, rather than um, a longer trip. But I'd say Willie is just kind of looking for Albert Bartlett horses 
um, at the minute. Uh, and just on the weather front, and I've probably been jinxing it for the last two months because we've just had the most incredible uh, kind of December and January there in terms of lack of rain. I keep, uh, you know, it's kind of it's a very Irish thing. Like people say, "Oh, we'll pay a price for this. We'll pay a price for this." <laughs> and, uh, and I've been saying, "Yeah, Cheltenham will surely get snowed off at this stage." Won't it? So, Stop. <laughs> if, if it happens, you can blame me because I've said oh, it about gosh. a million times in the last month. <laughs> imagine, could you imagine? It'd absolutely kill you. Uh, what about you? What about you yourself, Vanessa? Uh, before we move on to the Gold Cup, then the Albert Partners. Have you an idea of uh, an attractive bet at this stage? Mm, short answer, no. And following yeah. up from what Kevin Blake's just said about um, oh. the horses. No, just the horses. This <laughs> this weekend's going to be very, very telling is all I was going to say, just with all mm. those horses with so many entries over the two miles, six and, and above. So I just, I'm definitely it's, uh, watching brief only at this stage. And obviously we hope to learn so much more with an actual Albert Bartlett trial in name only, I'm afraid, up at Doncaster on Saturday. That threw up Marla Mission for John O'Connell, but he's got a shorter price horse in it with Bardenstown Lad. Um, I don't know if both of them will go there. Marla Mission, on the evidence that I saw himself and this sort of outsider of the field, pulled a little way clear of the rest of the River Don field. Um, it was a pretty disappointing grade two. That's been a disappointing grade two a couple of years running now. I don't know why Kevin Blake doesn't use his head and send something over for it because it's there for the taking. I mean, it's a grade two there for the taking from an Irish novice. But anyway, don't get me started. And then Hillcrest, obviously, be you know, unfortunately being unseated, we didn't get to see what he could do um, yeah. around Cheltenham again. So it was just a bit of a meh weekend in this division, and it's definitely mm. watching brief only. And a nod to Henry Daly, he had a terrible weekend. He had Bridge North beat in the River Don, Hillcrest, unfortunate unseat, and what more fatally injured mm. all yeah. on a Saturday. So he's not oh. a big yard, and he has some nice horses, and my heart really went out to him, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, we're, we're oh, I 100% agree with you. It was, it was an awful day from. I Okay, the Gold Cup picture then, guys, before we go on to the rest of our listener questions. Um, Apple Tard is your 10 to 3 favourite. Galvin, 9 to 2. Manella and Doe, 7 to 1, the defending champ. Album photo, 8 to 1. And it's 9 bar. Um, just before we talk about uh, some of your absolutely ridiculous theories about Santini, <laughs> I, I think Galvin, I think Galvin for me, um, Kev, is, is probably one of the most underrated horses in this picture at the moment. I know he's 9 to 2 and he's second favourite. It seems a bit ridiculous to say that. Um, but I think everything that he's done so far this season has been brilliant. He is an out and out stare. He's going to get up that hill. He had to do it the hard way the last time, beating the current favourite at Boutard. For me, I, I'm going to be on him for the Gold Cup. What do you think? Yeah, look, I thought it was, it was fully fair and square as well, beating the Boutard last time. Look, I know it was narrow, but um, he had to wait for his run turning in and finish off the race very strong. Increased emphasis on stamina is only going to suit him. You know, like he was ridden nice and forwardly that day at Leopardstown, following the leader um, for, for reasons that... Um, our correspondent mentioned earlier and Tony elaborated on like you, you if they do go a below standard pace and a below um, par pace in the Gold Cup, you really do want to be handy. Um, and this fellow's got a nice bit of tactical versatility um, that he showed last time. So that would be a help. I think he's very solid, Hugh. I'd, I'd agree with you. Um, look, there's a few that are going to come in here with questions to answer. Um, Manel Indo, massively so. You know, I loved him in the race last year. Um, and loved them oh, for, where, for much. Why have the wheels come off, Kevin? Where have the yeah. wheels gone? What has gone I wrong? I don't know. Seriously? It's, it's, it Based is a strange blocks. one. It is a strange one. Um, but uh, you just, I, I know it can sometimes be a bit of a fault to kind of look too far back for your encouragement, but it is hard to get last year's Gold Cup out of your mind with him, and it wasn't that long ago. So you're putting faith in Henry de Bromhead. I don't know if you're getting enough compensation in his price at the, at the minute. 
Um, but look, we'll see what the next kind of six weeks brings. Um, we, we joke about Santini, of course, um, but uh, at, at the price he is, like you, you, would, you do get some mad horses finishing place in the Gold Cup, and he isn't mad. Like, as mentioned, he's only 10 years of age. He should have won a Gold Cup two years ago. He should have won in, nothing. Should have, could have, would have. In fairness to Pally Gondry, you know, slowly but surely, run to run now, there's been good improvement. He might well improve again. And he might well not need to improve loads to get into a frame. Course and distance he loves. I'm not going to say going back him, but he's, you know, he's 66 to 1 in a couple of places, 50 to 1. And he might well be that sort of price come the day anyway, but um, he, he, he isn't as mad as you Kevin, Santini, Santini at the weekend couldn't <laughs> beat Chantry House, who I wouldn't have within 20 lengths of the top of the market now, all of those horses that we just talked about there. Like Chantry House to me won't get near... Aplutar, Galvin, Manelando, Album Photo, even Protectorate is the shortest price UK runner. Wouldn't get near any of those. And Santini couldn't get near him. So what the hell are you talking about? Shasantini was the moral winner of the Gold Cup two years ago. Get some of those horses here. Quinch the bookmakers with your dock and ask for a moral Yeah, this whole Santini should have won a Gold Cup. I can't be having it. He didn't win a Gold Cup. He didn't win it, okay? Just get over it. Tony Calvin, would it make sense of this? Put Kevin Blake back in his box here, will you? No, he's not going to, is he? He's going to stick, he's going to jump in the box. Come on, the boat. I had, just this morning, these footsteps of the festival are going to cost me a fortune. I've got no interest in betting that. No interesting bit in anti-posts on Cheltenham. Then I do these and end up saying, oh, yeah, that's a big price. Right. Um, too much time I, in our hands. Just though. this morning, I have had £25 each way at 66s. Come on! Oh, Give over, um, Tony! Tony, you're killing well, me! I look at this you're race. You're killing me! Oh. Have I got it down as a as a Cheltenham Gold Cup horse for all the, the second in the race last year? Possibly. At 3 to 130? No. Milena Indo, I think the, the warning signs were there when they put uh, first-time cheap pieces on before the King George. Maybe we all underplayed that a little before the start. I agree with you, Galvin's quite solid, but solid. Uh, protector at 9-1-4 to one, four favourite. Do me a favour. Um, <laughs> just go down, go down this. This could be a late Windermere type, type you know, Rachel. Oi, oi. <laughs> where we, we've got half a length between seven of them, seven of them, and I want to go with a horse who's finished third in their Ballymore. Should have won an RSA. Um, was obviously a next second in the 2020 renewal of this race last year. Polly's obviously building him up for the big one. Um, from a place point of view, I mean, I look at that, you could pick holes in every single one of, 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 um, of the Gold Cup field. I, I have also, well, I have, I've been nibbling at it since nothing special, but I've been getting some big prices on Tornado 4. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just wait two ticks, Tony. Yeah. You say you can pick holes in all of the Gold Cup field. A Plutard and Galvin up at the top. What are the holes to pick? The price. None. The oh, price. the price. Sorry, I'm price blind again. Sorry. Price blind. Sorry. Well, Sorry. Price price blind. They, they are there, but they, <laughs> they haven't been missing the market yet. Okay. at 92, have they? No, be that no, on the that's day, fair. They? Sorry, I thought They'll you meant. I thought, I thought you meant their form. I thought. Oh you no, meant no, 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 no. like, um, yeah. but, I mean, Tornado Flyer. That was only his second start over three miles in the King Joy. He's totally unexposed um, as a stayer there. I mean, the only time over three miles, I don't think he was off in the twenty twenty saddles. So I think you know <laughs> that could that could well you know that could well come into his, after what we saw at Kempton. He could come I, into I, his own over another two. I think the two the two the two against my field in the market uh, in the market, and I back them. Our tornado you, I, on the exchange yeah, win only about yeah, 16. Yeah. 
and Santini, you can get 50s and 66s about place. It's not, you know, it's not a wild suggestion in a race. The full favourite is Protectorat. And if that, <laughs> mini, if that mini clouds win over three mile one in bottomless ground, is any indication whether he's going to even one stay in a gold cup, let alone win it? At nine to mm. one, full favourite. That tells you everything yeah, you need to know about this race. You make a good case there, TC. And I, I actually, a friend of mine was down at the National Stud there recently and saw Kicking King and he was flying around. He's in good old form. And he asked me to about him. I'm thinking about having a few quid each way on Kicking King to win the Gold Cup as well. So, see, you're saying, Kicking King, I think we might be, might be in reasonable shape. We might be in reasonable shape come Gold Cup time. You, you people forget, like, what kind of horse can finish place in a Gold Cup? Like, Annabelle Fly was placed in two Gold Cups. The Giant Bolster was placed in a couple of Gold Cups. Manila Rocco on his own. And horses like that, like so yeah, he's better than all them. <laughs> on his own, should have won that bloody gold cup. Lord Windermere can. You, you're making, you see, you're making the point for Santini now, aren't you? <laughs> Vanessa, Vanessa it looks like it's going to be as we head to Cheltenham. Vanessa, it's you and me on one side, and those two okay. are clowns on the other side. The situation <laughs> is here is when we build up to what is supposed to be the blue ribbon event of the National Hunt Year, right? I don't want to be talking about the yokes that are going to fill the frame. Right? <laughs> I'm being serious. It's like we're wasting our time talking about what might run into a third. Oh, I know. I'm staying on board here, Hugh, because I, I can't fall any further with Santini. I tipped him to win the Gold Cup Stop. last year what? on what? ITV, the day after putting up the greatest treble ever seen on terrestrial TV. Oh, I heard the whole about country that. backed him and he pulled up that. after about four fences. I can't go any lower with Santini. You can't, you just have. You're sticking with him this season. It's literally the definition is I, I'm sticking with him. I, I really want him to get there because oh, I want Twitter to be awash with boats with, with pictures of boats on the yes. through the lead up to I'm the a race. devil for punishment that was all over Dan Pony for a gold cup one time oh, as well stop yeah he's probably had a better chance than Santini he's still running fall into third beating about 100 lengths Tony Calvin if, if Santini wins the gold cup I will pick you up at your house drive you to Cheltenham put you on my back and run the gold cup distance myself jumping fences well, that, on my back see, see that, that is you all over you isn't it you're betting. You're, you're actually. You're actually betting a one to sixty-six chance. With this <laughs> is you, you this, this is how over. you. This is how you ended up wandering around Leopard Sound dressed as Eddie Izzard. That's correct. Correct. Hey. Yeah. Oh God. You know, Google, that, you Google that one, Tony Calvin. When, when, oh, when, when Q card when Q card beat Vator in the King George, I, I said before the race, if Q card wins this King George, I will go to Leopard Sound tomorrow dressed as Eddie Izzard in drag. <laughs> And lo and behold, Vator flying home next minute, this blue yoke comes in over. <laughs> Absolutely does my money and my bet. And the next day, um, I was cross-dressing at Leopardstown, uh, whereupon all of Eddie Izzard's fans, when it made whatever, um, started to abuse me and said I was anti-whatever the hell I was. But, um, yeah, and anyway, you're interviewed look. on TV. Yeah, Tracy <laughs> P. Oh, Christ almighty. Anyway. Um, I, yeah. That's some transformation. Hey, but, but, at least, but at least we know Hugh will honor his bets. So, so, Correct. So, 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 don't, don't let up on the grub the next couple of weeks. We want to enter fight <laughs> ways if Hugh's going to carry you around, Chelsea. Don't go back in the booth, will you, for Christ's sake, TC? Make my job even harder. Right. Okay. Let's move on to our listener questions. And ignore everything Kevin and Tony said about the Gold Cup preview. Stick with Vanessa and I. Santini is not going to win the Gold Cup. Right. Promise from last week. Um, everything racing. Are the pundits on ITV too sensitive to jockey's feelings? Footballers are heavily crit criticised every game. I've seen some horrible rides recently and the punters on ITV always praise the jockey. Is it a case of ex-jockeys protecting friends and colleagues? Is that fair to say that uh, jockeys get a, a, an easier ride than perhaps footballers are from Roy Keane? <laughs> 
they they do get an easier ride for sure and i have uh you know <laughs> have had experience of uh being told off for criticizing a jockey so i've witnessed it firsthand and yeah they don't like it because it's not the done thing in our sport and so when then when someone does put their head above the parapet and criticize a jockey like everyone's up in arms about it but the truth is if more people did it with more regularity then maybe yeah. we might get somewhere but they don't ultimately i think there are some very good pundits on itv the ex jockeys there and actually mick jason like i've heard them get stuck into horses um get stuck into jockeys for rides they've given so i don't old i don't necessarily think that's a, a fair comment in general but i do think it's something that people could do a bit more of and if, mm. if there was a collective push there might be um it might become more of a day-to-day occurrence and not such a but, shock but, when uh, someone does this- say something this is one of the hilarious hypocrisies that us poor old soldiers in the in the in the racing media have to deal with all the time. Because you get this line of questioning, such as that question there. Oh, none of the pundits ever criticise the jockeys; they go way too easy on them. Mm-hmm. And like Vanessa says, and then when you do let fly at one, you'll get a, a completely opposite reaction yeah. from another another element of the crowd. Say, well, how? Dare you criticize yeah. that jockey? How many winners have you ridden, you yeah, yeah. You don't have a clue yeah. what you're you, talking you about. You try steer half a ton of thoroughbred. It's like, no, oh. I, I, I'm, I'm not a jockey, no, but I can yeah. see that he's gone seven wide round the bend at Lingfield and it probably wasn't a great ride. Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, so you, know, don't, you don't know what those jockeys go through. You don't know the pressures they're under. How dare you yeah. oh, how criticize dare I? them? How dare yeah. I? Yeah, so jo- jockeys, jockeys, if you're listening, you know, just, you know, grow, grow thicker skin and just, you know, cop on yourselves. Don't be afraid of a bit of criticism. Uh, Jimmy, uh, Tony says, um, I've been asking for a few weeks now about the team's thoughts on Agajo and the... Uh, champion hurdle improving four year old. I, I don't know anyone. Can anyone know champion hurdle? I'm, uh, I'm just, I can't take you seriously again after that Eddie Eli comment. You actually look, look like him without the makeup. Uh, would you stop? <laughs> would you? Oh, yeah. all right, Eddie. Um, I don't. I did ask around. I couldn't find little out. Little touch, little touch of the resemblance. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm assuming if he hasn't had an injury setback, like I said, I, I tried to find out. I'm assuming they're keeping his handicap mark. Because he went up five for the uh, second in the Greatwood. I'm assuming they're keeping his uh, pow- their powder dry for the Betfair hurdle. Uh, I hope uh, they are. A week on Saturday, the 150 grand Betfair hurdle, 125 grand. Um, okay. Europe's Richie's handicap hurdle. Um, mm. I'm assuming they're keeping the powder dry for that. And if it goes there, it, you know, it has been a stepping stone for the champion hurdle. But I don't know. Is it, is it okay. Okay, great stuff. Um, Paul Gowan says, just with the worst trials day, I can remember in terms of the quality, do we expect last year's round at the festival uh, by the Irish to be repeated or increased numerically? Didn't somebody say at the weekend that they expect England to win more? I'll oh, just stop Kevin Blake. <laughs> that picture up. Mother <laughs> of Christ <laughs> on the right. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Absolute who? ringer. Who's who? I'm on, who I'm on the right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute um, wingers run it. Yeah, we, we do expect we do expect Ireland to uh, to, to to win, don't we? The, the old Presbury Cup. Uh, uh, yes, we do. Yes, yeah. Okay. I, no, I, um, I think there'll be a big comeback in the handicaps. I, I think the English right. are going to do well in the handicaps for for reasons that we've been. Uh, nine, yeah, nine because pounds. the handicap because the handicapper is so bloody blatantly biased that makes you want to. Yeah, throw up. They, anyway. they, they can. They can. That's the one thing they can control. They can't control the Irish horses being better in the yeah. weight for age races, but they can control the marks uh, yes. off which these horses run. And uh, yeah. as we've been seeing, and I'm deadly serious now, I'm not, I'm not just uh, poking fun. The, the way the British handicapper has been treating the, the locals will have an impact on the results of those handicaps in Cheltenham, no doubt. Okay. 
Um, Mark yeah, Cairn says, I love national hunt racing, but surely I can't be the only one who thinks that defences are a necessary risk to a horse's well-being. People who are familiar with jumps racing gasp in horror when they see a horse fall. Why do we accept it as part of the sport? Well, it's part of the sport. Uh, look, there's a question mark over, you know, maybe the future, if the world keeps turning as it is. But I'm, I mean, I, Christ, we can't not have national hunt racing. We can't not have it. I, I just let me off the let me off the old ship if that's the way things are going. Um, Tim Shady says with a couple of recent high profile falls on the Terrestrial Channel, is National Hunt Racing danger losing public support? Hopefully not, Tim. Hopefully not. Um, and it, Taylor says, is the racing community outcry shown when a horse breaks down? Somewhat hypocritical if we keep supporting a fundamental dangerous sport, chasing in particular is disproportionate amount of deaths. The full concern is getting a bit tedious. It's money over welfare. Uh, but it, totally isn't it interesting, that. Hugh, that these questions are coming from inside the tent? Like, the, like everyone that listens to this show is inside tent, mm. you know, the racing tent. And these questions are coming from inside it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, sometimes I think we're, we're, we can be guilty of tying ourselves in knots and thinking that, uh, that um, that's aspects of our sport are, are, are being greeted with more hostility outside the tent than they yeah. actually are. Now, this is inside the tent, and that's mm. that's interesting to me. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Gaz Bucky says, when a horse's name is registered, can't the owner state its phonetic pronunciation so that we stop the ridiculous situation of people saying differently? Yes, uh, please. Case store being a prime example. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, definitely. It's a yes for me. I'd actually love that. It would be very, very yeah. helpful when you're doing uh, the jobs that we all do. It would be very helpful. I'm severely dyslexic and never took a French lesson in my life. And so I really struggle uh, sometimes. I spend a lot of time having to scroll back and listen to a commentary so I get the horse's name right. And mm. I'd love a phonetic spelling. Thanks very much. There is, yeah. Apparently there is, uh, I think one of the, uh, the McNeil family posted something on Twitter saying there is an option on a BHA site, but and then someone said, be good to be some a facility to drop load actually pronouncing it for people mm -hmm. to hear back as well so nice. yeah, I, yeah i thought that was a really really good question really good yep um dimitri says should race courses start paying appearance fees to top horses to encourage more frequent competition as seen in tennis etc i don't think that's a good idea i mean if you gave horses money they could start losing the plot imagine like you know santini with 100k in his back pocket <laughs> if you got over if you got over to monaco to see all his fellow boats and yachts there around the ring <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't think that's a good idea i don't think the horses would be able to handle it but uh, i'd like to see more appearance fees if that resulted in horses <laughs> Crashing with each other, maybe that'd be a good idea. You're giving your dress away, pulling guns, he's going around with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Um, next question from uh, Nick Balfour. Sorry, Ben Cottrell says, uh, was that Shelton yesterday? Once again, those in attendance get no insight into post-race interviews that go directly on TV. It's very frustrating. Yeah, this is something we had last week as well. They should absolutely play them over the loudspeaker so people can hear. No, I they do it after matches in football. No. What? No, I was just going to say that I don't. I didn't know that because obviously they've got Martin Kelly there as the on-course mm. presenter, um, and he does interview jockeys and trainers on the podium. On the podium. So where? So surely that interview is going out. That's Racecourse TV. That's not for anything else. Yeah, there'd be, oh, okay. be, be separate interviews, I suppose. I think I, like the protocols are. I think ITV get the first um, get the first shot of the interviews, and then there's there's literally a pro black and white protocol in place as to the order of who gets to interview the participants. Yeah, the, um, yeah. So, um, some some course, obviously, a lot of courses do their own stuff. Nick Luck answered the question. One of these questions yesterday he said York are very good at putting out the terrestrial stuff uh, yeah. on the course as well, and I think some That's other courses do that. It's, I think it's just about logistics, but I think I think if you're at the race course as as press as well, I mean through Cheltenham and the like as well. 
when you're at the course, you do sacrifice a lot of information that you get if you were just sitting at home watching racing TV from 9.30 a.m. during all throughout the Cheltenham Festival. You do miss out on a lot if you do go racing. But the fact, if, if, if you can minimise that, it's got to be a good thing. Okay, yeah. um, great stuff. Um, why do some pundits insist on using fast times at Kempton as a way to justify a tip at a race at Cheltenham? Do they do that? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, he's, he's referring to Ischio after Ischio oh, yeah, got yeah, stuffed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. yeah, I mean, a, a fast time's a fast time. It's up to you to whether you can translate that to a stiffer track or a different test. Um, Liam D says, TC, is there any talk of Abercadabra's plan for the festival? I like him for the stairs, but he hasn't an entry. Uh, could be skipping Cheltenham to prioritise entry. Seems a shame. So, well, he does like entry. I mean, Gordon has obviously mm -hmm. set him there with great success before. So maybe that is the plan. And if he's not entered in the stairs, obviously, he, I, I doubt they'll supplement him. At the, he's, the I, I did have, he's about 70 for the champion. And there's a, a little mm -hmm. bit of money looking to back him. So he could be around. Yeah. He could well be entered up at the weekend at Dublin. I don't know. Um, John Smart, regarding the jockey's weight issue, punters seem to have been ignored in the debate. Give our sport uh, one and lost on finest margins. Three pound allowance is huge and a lack of transparency is frankly a disgrace. Thoughts from the team, please. Yeah, look, this seems to have caused a big uh, split between the two. I was listening to someone from the BHA speak on Racing TV at the weekend about this. He doesn't want the divide in the sport, but it seems ridiculous that they're not going to give the three pound allowance, right? Uh, two things here. Uh, you, you can debate about the, the ins and outs of what the BHA have done, definitely. And I can see the jockey's points, absolutely. Um, but the other side of it that the question kind of ventures on is just the transparency issue. Like, is it not like ridiculous that we're not publishing the actual weight the horse is carrying? And you're talking about yeah. all the, you know, the body protector allowance and the COVID allowance and this. And mm. just, just publish what weight they're carrying. Mm. Like, sure, absolutely. Like, yeah. why is, I don't understand why that seems to be an issue. Okay. Um, publish it, you know, Jesus, yep. come on. I'm with you 100%. Um, Neil Dawkins, are ITV racing so crippled by political correctness that they can't discuss affordability checks or make any attempt to defend gambling? It's not their role, uh, Neil. It's not their position to defend gambling. They provide horse racing coverage. They factor in the odds and the betting side of that as well. But like, it's, uh, I would imagine it's not in the editorial brief of the day when showing racing uh, to go into that. And um, also, Rover Joyce, and also it's, it's a very, very involved subject that, that you can't soundbite in five to ten minutes. Yeah, it's a deep dive or nothing at all. Absolutely, I'm with you. Uh, Rover Joyce, our horses coming from point to points doing a year in Irish bumpers. Well, we've mentioned this. Look, the bumpers, um, it was up to Ken Blake to get rid of them all and just stop. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I get, I get you're coming from Rover Joyce, but we have spoken about it on the show as well before. Um, Rich says, what are the panel's thoughts on today's front page of the Sunday Times article? Na a National um, Health Service cuts ties uh, to gambling cash. Quickly, someone want to take that? Uh, look, gambling is just becoming more and more toxic we on itv this morning on the news channel there was um, stories about one million women in peril due to gambling and stuff like that and i, I was i i'm a i'm a kind of like standing dish at hospitals and doctors at the moment and i was at a hospital last week and they ban all they ban all gambling sites so i was trying to get a bet on mm. couldn't do it i had to go outside yeah yeah, well, there you go. Um, Paul says two two quick ones. Um, is it possible that Shaq and Persuad doesn't travel well unbeaten in Ireland and zero yes. in the UK? It absolutely is possible, and I can, that's the only explanation I have for how he ran so poorly last year. Uh, hopefully, it's not a travel thing, but we'll find out this year if he does make it to the festival. And instead of causing dangerous pinch points, why not just remove the hurdles when there is low sun? Race seven, they ran around the hurdles when race eight was a bumper. Yeah. I suppose they could do that. I think. Them. I think it's because the low sun decision is obviously made uh, quite quickly when they're down at the start and yeah. taking the hurdles out probably isn't the quickest job in the world. So you're looking at delaying a race by five or six minutes and on a busy Saturday, there's not that people mm -hmm. don't want that. Yep. I think. Okay, good Maybe. stuff. I don't know. 
Fair enough. Yeah. Um, James says, is continued liberalization of the US betting landscape an opportunity for British and Irish racing to find new fans, especially given the issues in American racing? I know uh, TVG offers uh, some UK books. Does this contribute to the levy? Well, Alan Damont says, um, I couldn't comment on any individual firm, but the levy is from bets that arise from punters worldwide, not just GB punters. And first 500k of a firm's gross profits from bets, i.e. what would be the first 50k of levy, is levy free. These two factors generally rule out most of the non-GB facing firms. More common is that those firms will take a picture feed from the UK rights holders and will be making a commercial payment on the bets that arise. Hope that answers your question, James. Joseph C says, Fernie Hollow's injury. After Leopardstown at Christmas surely adds to the doubts around ground for the Double Racing Festival. Guys like Willie Mullins and Elliot, etc. be willing to rest, risk some of their stars pre-Cheltenham. Mass withdrawals on the day, a real danger at this stage with no rain since Christmas. Joseph, it's a massive danger. The ground is good. There's no rain. There's no rain. There's no rain. They're watering the water, but no rain. Ireland hasn't had rain since Christmas. I'm telling you, the world is going to end soon. It's just, it's bananas. I tell you what you need. You need the Doncaster Clark of the course. Get him over to Leopardstown. Fiddle the going stick. Um, Richie says, can I add a, a similar follow-up question? Is it time the Leopardstown lost some of their Christmas or Dublin Wrestling Festival days to Mace, Ferry House, Punchestown, etc.? And is something like that under HRI control? It's not going to happen, Richie. And um, the ground is... It is, it is a real shame, that Dublin, the, yeah. the Dublin Racing Festival ground issue, because it is, in all seriousness, it is going to have a serious effect on yeah. what, what horses we see there. And the idea of the Dublin Racing Festival, I love it. There's had, it's had some brilliant years. For me, I really, I know Kevin has a different view on this, but I actually love that we Weekend. I think it's a terrific weekend of racing. Mm. But if they're going to keep getting scuppered by the ground, it's not going to work. It's a bit, little bit like Champions Day in October. Like the ground yeah. scuppers it. It can be a good mad, day racing it? as you want, but the ground mad. scuppers it. So no, I, I, I love the Dublin Racer Festival. <laughs> no, but I thought you. I thought you were more in favour of maybe moving some of those bigger races. Like you didn't you like the pattern before with the Champion Hurdle at the back end of January and stuff. Um, no, no, not especially. I don't mind. Uh, I think that the, the grouping these meetings together has been a success. In terms of the question, like, could HRI change it if they wanted to? Yes. Um, they, they control the fixture list. They can do what they want, essentially. Um, well, you know, playing devil's advocate, you know, Dublin Racing Festival, you know, everyone tells us how much Irish, Irish people love national hunt racing. Like, this is an unbelievable two-day fixture. Why can't they sell it out? There's over a million people on its doorstep, and they can't sell it out with 20,000-plus people since it started. We'll come back to this right, obviously on next week. It puzzles me. Everyone's watching you on TV, that's why. That's That's right. right. I'm coming coming over for it, Kevin. What more does anyone want? Penny Suckle and Vanessa Ryle. Tickets flying out the door already. Um, Adrian Darris said, is there a problem with the position of cameras at Ferry House or perhaps a camera mounted on a vehicle following the action? Never really noticed before on RT coverage, but on Racing TV, when they turn out of the home straight, all you see is the rear ends for three or four furlongs. That's probably just an editorial um, decision. They, they have cameras in different places, but obviously whoever's cutting the, the, the pictures decides that that's what you want to see. The backside of the horses. Paul, last three questions. Paul says, given the manoeuvres that they had to take and what nearly happened to Hillcrest, is it safer to actually leave the last hurdle in at Doncaster? Uh, the way they have to squeeze up looks very dangerous. Well, they one is one is less dangerous than the other, obviously. And if if the sun is too low, um, as we've made the point, try driving in a low, a lying sun, and, and you'll know how dangerous it is. And um, James Dick says, "What are we up to with Gordon these days? Doesn't feel like ITV have given him much spotlight this season, but presumably they'll have to make a call as we head towards the festival." I wouldn't say Gordon's too unhappy, given that I know he's not hugely fond of these uh, interview types, but I'm sure. I don't think they've covered it normally, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's been any runners and winners. I haven't yeah. noticed anything different nope. about their coverage of me. Neither. Me neither. Yeah. Keith Nicholson says last two when hurdles need to be missed out for low sun why can they not just be dismantled just as they are for the bumper and um, we had a question on that as well uh, uh, i don't know keith but then um, um, richard hall's answer that because they can't get 
they can't fill the holes up, get the stakes out, oh. fill the holes up in time. Okay. Okay, very good. And the last one, uh, Daniel Foley says, when are Cheltenham going to pull their finger out and create two miles one, two mile two, two mile six, and two mile seven novice chases at the festival so everyone can avoid each other and punters have no choice but to clean up on short price multiples every year like you. And that's exactly it, Daniel. You and me, pal, are going to clean up once again this year. Okay. All right, that's about uh, all we have time for risk of questions. Before we go, Kevin, a big story, um, obviously, over the last few days involving a doping case at Newcastle from 2018, uh, which I had to double check when I saw that. Um, involving a horse that was nobbled and the punishment that was uh, dished out to the subsequent uh, guilty parties. Uh, it's a big story, Kevin. Just your overall thoughts, please. Yeah, I thought this was a giant story, Hugh, and it doesn't seem to have created nearly as much coverage as I thought it would, because like you say, September 2018, a horse called Ladies First was a 6-4-5 for a race at Newcastle, ran horrendously and subsequently failed a dope test for essentially a stopping drug and over the course of the investigation, it, it, they have CCTV in the race course stables in Newcastle. It was two people that had access to the stable yard, kind of maintenance men, went mm. in and, and doped this horse. And it's also strongly suspected that they doped another favourite on the day. Um, unfortunately, the horse wasn't tested on the day, but the CCTV footage showed these two same guys going up to, the, going up to that second horse in the same fashion, subsequently ran poorly, and they hair tested that horse afterwards, um, and there was traces of the same stopping drug found. And they've been at this for three years, trying to get to the bottom of it. The, the culmination is they've banned these two guys for 10 years of pop. Neither of them investigate, um, cooperated or participated in the, the investigation. And I just think this is a huge case. There's so many questions from it, Hugh. We haven't had the full written details. You know, why do these guys do it? You know, who else was involved, if anyone? Who benefited from this? You know, was this a one-off thing that happened in Newcastle one day or was this going on uh, more regularly elsewhere that we just didn't find out about? And, and what's really worrying for me is the investigation went on for three years, you know, over three years. And there was insinuations made in the, in the comment we've heard from some of the legal teams involved that they dove really deep into certain aspects of the investigation that didn't yield results one assumes that's the betting, you know, because ultimately something like this happens, you dive into the betting, see who's laying the horse. And if there's something yeah. suspicious and try and dig in and find out who the mastermind is. And in what the BHA have released so far, there's no mention of any betting related charges at all. So if you're, if you're an optimistic Oliver, you might look at that, look at that and say, well, maybe there was no betting conspiracy and everything's fine. Or if you're a pessimistic Peter like me, you might look at it <laughs> And say, Jesus, well, you know, they're clear, there must have been some betting implications on this. And the guys that were behind it are so sophisticated and did such a good job in hiding their tracks that the BHA couldn't make anything stick. And if the latter is the case, like, is that, that massively concerning for the integrity of the sport? And bear in mind, you, just four weeks after this case at Newcastle, that was when the Viking Horde doping took place in Tremor. Yeah. Not suggesting yeah. that they're uh, connected, but the, the time frame is very, very similar. Um, yeah. So I, I just was frankly astounded that this wasn't picked up everywhere like the Viking Horde case was, because I just thought this was a shocker. And I can't yeah. wait to read the, the full details that the BHA release on it, because um, I had a huge amount of questions stemming from what we've learned so far. And um, a whole lot of them weren't answered by what we've, what we've been told. Just, just, just okay. very quickly, it's just in all of this, if, there's, if the exchange audit trail doesn't present something, I just want to know how how vast and wide they actually do the betting coverage of this. 
have all of all bookmakers, fixed odds bookmakers, played ball here, open their books, etc. It just seems to me sometimes if there's not an exchange audit trail, it's gone a lot. Oh, nothing to see here. It's clearly right. not the case. There's, there's many ways of, of, of opposing a six to four favourite if you're so yeah. minded. Okay, good stuff, lads. Uh, well covered, um, as I said, and a big story. So we thought it was worth mentioning. Thanks to all our listener questions. In racing only better. Thursday and Friday this week, where we're going to preview the Dublin Racing Festival for Saturday and for Sunday. Very much looking forward to it. So Thursday and Friday, two shows to preview. Um, we're all off now to uh, ring Polly Gundry and tell her that if she starts Santini now to win the Gold Cup, <laughs> we might actually have a chance in Tony 61 61 chance. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon.